Hey, and welcome to Shitty Book Reports, where the reports are shitty, but the books are not. I'm Mark. I'm here with Trevor. How are you feeling tonight, Trevor? Good. I feel like I'm taking a nap after three cups of coffee. How are you feeling? <laughs> three cups? Mm-hmm. I just had a shot of espresso, uh, but I feel like a, I feel like a blank page, kind of. Hmm. I've sucked at reading the last month or so, <laughs> hence the no yeah. recording. I wasn't too, I got through something big, but I wasn't, this took me a while and I was like, you know, it it took me a while. Okay. You'll, I, I'm cheating hard today and you'll see, but it's, it's something, it's not full on cheating because it's interesting (laughs) and cool and I think you'll like it, but. Okay. uh, My daughter has not been doing that great with sleeping. It's very hard. So as as often the case, <laughs> I'm like a zombie most days, and that's going to be, it'll be reflected in my book report later. But I I got something unique to throw at you today. Hey man, that's what shitty book reports are all about. Yeah, we yeah. We weren't uh, we weren't on uh, eight hours of solid sleep when we were turning in most of our book reports. <laughs> but I'm kind <laughs> of glad. I'm kind of glad that you know you reached out to me last night. You're like, all right, let's record. Let's record. So. And it made me, it reminded me that I had something stored away uh, nice. from like, you know, a couple months ago that I really wanted to talk about. So, and I might've forgotten about it, but uh, the urgency, <laughs> the sense of urgency, like 24 hours uh, really kicked my ass. So I got, nice. I remembered and I got it for today. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't get any, uh, Thanksgiving is typically a decent reading holiday, and my Thanksgiving this year was an amazing reading holiday. I don't know about uh, you, but I'm je- I'm jealous. No, it it was it was like a TV holiday. <laughs> we just uh, like watched the the dog show because my nice. daughter likes that. Who won? Uh, it was like a it was like some really big German sheep okay. Afghan hound or something something like that. I can't remember. Big boy. Really, it was a big dog, yeah, big shaggy dog. Hmm. Pretty cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, but no, I'm hoping to get some more reading done uh, the, in the coming weeks when I take some vacation and stuff like that for the holidays. Yeah, I had uh, I had the the classic four day uh, weekend, and we went away. And uh, I'll just brag a little bit here that I'm already one third through my next book. So you. Guys- uh. Got some catch up to do. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, so yeah, on that note of the holidays coming up, uh, to start off the show today, I wanted to talk about holiday shopping, mm-hmm. specifically gifting books. Okay. Yep. Uh, you plan on doing any of that this year? I have backed off from gifting books. Um, Yeah. Well, basically not because it's hard, but almost because um, it's funny because I was actually talking about this Frasier episode the other day, but you know, the episode of Frasier where uh, he's trying to buy uh, like presents for his son. And then his dad, Martin says that you buy presents people like for basically like, Frazier buys presents for people for who he wants them to be. Yeah. Not who they are, not meeting them where they are. Sure. And I (laughs) think that's what I do with a lot of books. Like I remember like buying, uh, I bought my mom, you know, a couple of years ago, I bought her, um, uh, what's the classic, uh, S E Hinton book. It's about the gangs, the greasers. The outsiders out, the outsiders yeah because yeah, we had like been talking about it i borrowed the outsiders and that was like probably 10 years ago i bought it for her and then i just saw it sit in a basket next to her <laughs> you know couch unread it's just like I, I i yeah it's definitely i'm not meeting people where they are and i'm just like hey you should like read this like you know book that i that you know whatever and it, it doesn't it doesn't yeah, really yeah, tend yeah. To happen get on my level yeah exactly you're trying to say but anyways, yeah. So I mean, I I took a look online just like because around this time of year, there's a, always a lot of articles that are like the ultimate uh, yeah. holiday book, which you should get for everyone or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see what was hot this year. Your family needs to get you a reading light. I know, <laughs> I know. I know this. 
I need a reading house. I need another house <laughs> exactly. to, go, to go read in. Um, yeah, a little bungalow or something. So uh, I got four nonfiction books and I think three fiction. For, for people in your life? No, no. This is uh, just like a holiday gift guide kind of. Oh, uh, okay. When I saw hot books for this, this uh, holiday season. People All are right, scooping hit out. me with the hot books. Maybe so you I should open up my Amazon, make sure that I'm ready to add. Well, you also might get you might get one of these, possibly. But yeah. the reverse of book getting, like, <laughs> okay, so book giving, I've given up on book getting. My family has gone like it's been pretty much like a thing since I was a kid that my family is like everything that I want is way too specific, right? Like even, even back in the day, like video games and stuff, it's like, don't try to like, get me a game, like get me <laughs> this game, you know, like, uh, don't, yeah, you know, like whatever. So I have had many successful Christmases of giving a list of books and being like, I expect to see <laughs> this. <laughs> oh, I expect. Yeah. My, uh, my niece, uh, basically told me what to get her this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Took all the all the planning out of it. All planning. Yeah. All right. So hit me with these the best books of twenty. Is it is it time specific or it's just like an ultimate? I think they're new books. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. Um, first one we got Capote's. This is nonfiction. Capote's Women: A True Story of Love, Betrayal, and a Swan Swan Song for an Era by Lawrence Lemer. Isn't this book by one of his like ex-wives or something? I don't know. Lawrence Lawrence Lemer. It's uh LAU. I might have seen this on a I shelf somewhere or something, but yeah. It says Truman Capote's final novel, Answered Prayers, was a thinly fictionalized look at a group of wealthy women based on the real life rich ladies, among them Lee Rodswell and Gloria Guinness. Capote called his swans. Hmm. When a few chapters were published in Esquire, Capote's gals, gal pals were incensed and the book was never published. Hmm. Okay, cool. Interesting. Last novel. Where I wonder, were they like benefactors of his or something? Like, oh, I know these two rich people and they fund me for everything. <laughs> I don't some, know. Maybe Some artists have that. That's what that book Mosquitoes is about by Faulkner. It's like yeah. artists like glob on to these rich people. Sure. Yeah, it could be. Interesting. Would read. All right. So far, it is Would. the ultimate least list. I'm giving a thumbs okay. up. <laughs> Second one, uh, Bourdain, the definitive oral biography. So by Laurie, mm -hmm. Laurie Woolever. So Anthony Bourdain. So is it uh, like a? Is it transcriptions of things that he said himself? Uh, no, it's interviews. Inter Bourdain's longtime former assistant interviewed around a hundred of the late food greats, friends, family, and colleagues to craft this richly rounded portrait. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, probably wouldn't hunt like all the way read, but would watch the Netflix documentary once again. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a tie-in with the the fourth one and something what you just said. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> right, the third third one. Where the deer and the antelope play, the pastoral observations of one ignorant American who loves to walk outside by Nick Offerman, a.k.a. Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Because wow. I think he, he kind of just writes like he kind of just is tries mm -hmm. to live as Ron Swanson and people people like that. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I was extremely hyped on that title until you said nick offerman because it gave it because it gave it like a different flavor of like i mean not to not to put down nick offerman he's hilarious and i've actually seen him on stage at like a tech event where he was just like hired to like rattle off his thoughts and it was really funny yeah. too but that uh, that title really hyped me up like whoa it's like some guy who's like you know, I almost envisioned like a uh, a Forrest Gump type person who's crossing sure. who's crossing the world just on foot and being insane. But then it's like, oh, with Nick Offerman, that kind of makes it more into like uh, I'm waiting at the doctor's office. So I'll kind of read this. <laughs> he's kind of like uh, he's kind of like a weird 
tamed version of like the modern Maddox. Remember Maddox? Yeah. That yeah. shit, like the Maddox. art of manliness, stuff yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. 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 He's kind of, it's kind of like that. It's a little more, bit more branded, a little bit much, but maybe that's really unfair. Like, um, you know, take that, you know, you know how bookstores do that thing where you buy a book blind just on the suggestion of a staff member. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? They wrap them up in. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you can't Round see what paper. the cover is. Yeah. Yeah. So records too. I would be interested if someone tricked me into reading this book and I didn't know it was Nick Offerman. Like it was if, like meditations on whatever, whatever, maybe I, you would take it more seriously. Like, uh, did you know Duke writes novels? No. Yeah, I've been uh, that's really? like a that's a spoiler alert for the podcast cuz there's one that I've been meaning to read. <laughs> but yeah, Duchovny writes like novels, like novel novels. Okay. So, funny. Don't so type does, like trying not to typecast, so I take my Nick Offerman criticism back. So does like Sean Penn though, right? Uh, who Isn't knows? He like dabbling into stuff like So that, does right? like Glenn Beck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah have you ever seen those in the store have you ever seen of course yeah it's like in the airport or in like you know in the in libraries it's like glenn black with like an american flag and then it's like obviously co-written 99 percent by another human being yeah he's just copying bill o'reilly yeah that sort of move so the last one is the novelization uh i guess like companion to Mm -hmm. the the new Peter Jackson documentary on Disney Plus, the Beatles, oh, the Beatles thing. Get back. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I want to see Get Back. I haven't seen it yet, but you know, people are really enamored with it. I actually thought you were going to say the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is also a thing that Quentin Tarantino. Really? Yeah, Quentin Tarantino just he wrote the script, made the movie, and then wrote a novel of the script being like that I want he wanted to give more detail. Okay. So that's a thing that'd too. be pretty cool. Kind of curious about that. Mm. So yeah, uh, those are the four nonfiction and then fiction. Okay. We've first one uh, is Liberty, a novel by mm-hmm. Caitlin Greenidge. Uh, mm. This highly imaginative acclaimed work of historical fiction tells the story of Liberty, a young dark skinned black girl growing up in post-Civil War Brooklyn and the shadow of her mother, a pioneering doctor whose skin is light enough to pass. Mom wants her daughter to follow in her footsteps, but Liberty has other ideas. The book is inspired by the real life of Dr. Susan Smith McKinney Stewart, one of the first African-American women in the U.S. to graduate from medical school. That's sick. That actually sounds really good. And it's one of those things, too. It's just like the Nick Offerman thing, where it's like, I think you know that I don't like historical fiction. So I get really like weirded out, especially in books and stuff where it's like one of the characters is Teddy Roosevelt, (laughs) like that I hate. But on on like the opposite end of the spectrum, have you ever had this happen? This is like a good question for a reader. Have you ever had it happen where a book doesn't hit you um, at, at where you live at the right at the right time in the right way, and then all of a sudden you have this sort of like. realization that it's all made up i I don't know how to explain it but like sometimes recently like or when i've gotten older i used to read a lot of fantasy and then now that i'm older sometimes when i read fantasy i'm like this is just dumb it's something that someone made up and then but then i like think back and i'm like but that's bullshit because everything that every novel (laughs) is something that someone made up so when you say historical fiction i'm like oh here we go it's so stupid and then you say this amazing plot line and I'm like, well, isn't it true that everything is made up? Like, who like, <laughs> like, why should I give a shit? I guess my only bugaboo is like, you know, if the, if like in chapter two, the book is like, and then Lincoln thought this, then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that sounds cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. No, that one's interesting. So that was a uh, Liberty by Caitlin Greenidge. And I do know that there's other movies and books and stuff. I think there's a, a new movie coming out or one that already did come out about there is that in black American history where there's like people who are quote unquote light enough to pass, which is like 
fucked up <laughs> but like mm-hmm. yeah it, it leads down like a like a strange like an interesting path for sure yeah weird so the second fiction book i got here is called the lincoln highway by amor towels okay the author of the bestseller a gentleman in moscow has crafted another chart topper oh i've heard of a gentleman in moscow and i know that that's one of tom hanks's favorite books really Yes. I hate it then. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was like a movie theater here in LA that was like, it had like a little display of like, this, these are like books that like celebrities have said that they love. And Tom Hanks likes a gentleman in Moscow. Okay. It must be a book for the everyman. Yes. Uh, set in the 1950s, it follows a young man, Emmett Watson, just released from a juvenile work farm in Nebraska after doing time for manslaughter. Watson plans to head west to California, but when he discovers two friends from the farm have escaped, his plans turn on a dime, and the young men hit the road and head to New York City. On the Lincoln Highway, I guess. I guess so. (laughs) Uh, Tom Hanks. Not, I don't know. I won't get into that now, but last one. (laughs) Silverview. I actually wasn't aware that you had some sort of uh, animosity (laughs) for Tom Hanks, but we'll leave that to another day. Yeah. I don't want to get you too stressed. (laughs) Exactly. Silverview is a new book by John Le Carre. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, So he died last December at age 89. So this Mm -hmm. is his... uh, He Right before he passed away, the British espionage writer finished his 26th book, damn, and gave the okay for it to be published posthumously. Wow. It's a classic Le Carre tale of a bookseller trying to live a quiet life in a small seaside community until, can you guess what happens when I say until? Until he gets dragged back out of retirement and is a spy or something. (laughs) (laughs) The word spy is in there. Yeah. Uh, Until a Polish immigrant and a spy chief come to town. Would read definitely would read that sounds like super vibes of like being a reader. Mm-hmm. Didn't it say that he, he, he's like he, running a bookstore or something? Yeah, it's a bookseller trying to live a quiet life in a small seaside community. Oh, come so on, I'm thinking like, I mean, like read that Bar book, Harbor. yeah, read that book while you're like staying near the ocean or something. Like, yeah, give me a break. I'm picturing like Bar Harbor or something until mm-hmm. a Polish immigrant and a spy chief come to town what's a spy chief just like a ultimate spy the chief of the spies <laughs> there's a guy there's like a there's a character throughout le carre le car however you say it there's a character smiley he's in like multiple of his novels he's like kind of like the chief he's like this inconspicuous guy who's always like meeting up with the guys with the other like spies being like you're an idiot <laughs> bro you don't have this spy tech that I've got. Mm. No, no way. Lacar's not about tech, man. It's all like it's skill. all it, no, it's not even skill. It's cunning. Even, no, it's not even James Bond. All of his books are always just like actually spying is all complete bullshit. <laughs> like <laughs> okay. it's just people wandering around like pretending that they know what they don't know until you know someone gets killed. Okay. Nice. <clears throat> so that's the list of uh, of books, but I wanted to do a little lightning round here, mm. give you a little scenario. Uh, so let's say, I know this goes totally against what you've like talked about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, saying you're you're totally done with this, but so let's say you're at Barnes and Noble right now. I give you uh, a two hundred dollar gift card. Mm-hmm. in like a supermarket sweep scenario oh yeah yes so what what book are you getting right now for uh your sister holy crap um i would look for i know that my sister recently read a book called educated um by i think i think the author is tara westover anyway there's this novel called educated and it's about this woman who who just like struggled her whole life to basically get like a basic education because she was from the middle of nowhere in America and she had like an, like an abusive family and stuff. Um, So it's like her struggle to be, you know, basically get like a basic high school education. So I would look if that person 
read uh, wrote anything else. And then along the same lines, I would kind of look for something like that, like a motivational life story of someone, you know, going going through it. Okay, nice. What book would you get for your wife? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> um, I would, for Daria, I would get... Um, you know what? I would specifically. She listens to the podcast. Sorry, don't Mary. listen to this part. Yeah, yeah skip don't it. listen to this skip, part. Skip it. Skip, skip it. ahead thirty seconds. Um, I would actually probably target something specifically from the podcast. Like go back through the archive and just be like, oh, like this is the one. Because you know, occasionally she'll comment on just different like books and stuff. So I would get something from our podcast list. Okay, so it has to be something that I read because you already have the other ones. Correct. Maybe. <laughs> a mark, a mark read. Yeah. All right. What would you get for your uh, nieces and nephews? Um, I actually, uh, well, I I bought the Phantom Tollbooth for my niece when she was like six months old. Obviously, nice. she was way too young for that. But I'm like, no, it's like the vibes. It's going to be sitting on the shelf, and they <laughs> yeah. don't know what it is. It, it gives them the right vibes. So I don't know. She's like six right now. My nephew is like four. It's a really tough reading age. It's just like you're waiting forever until they're ready for Harry Potter, right? Sure. Um, damn. Um, something that had to do with like Atlas's maps. They love maps. That's cool. That's a good interest. World thing. Maybe I would get them a book that is like fictional maps. Because they, nice. they, would, they would be like, what the hell? <laughs> All right. What would you get for me? My goodness gracious. <laughs> That's way too. I would get something. Um, I feel like I would get you something Japanese because you would be forced to read it through my gifting kindness. <laughs> and but I feel like, yeah, I've read more Japanese authors than you. So yeah. I'm always kind of being like Murakami. Oh, my God. And you're like, yeah, OK. So I, get okay. I would, I would gladly, uh, gladly read that. I'm I'm pretty good at I'm actually pretty good at reading uh, the gifted books. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, a book is such a great gift that it is underappreciated. Like, literally, if someone buys you a book, especially one that they've already read, that's like sort of an open invitation to be like, "Hi, do you want to talk to me for like two hours?" Which is yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want to record it? <laughs> yeah, you want to record it every week for two years? Yeah. So yeah, that's the uh, that's that that's the holiday book shopping guide. Nice. So yeah, we'll probably check in uh, in January with you know. If, Let's if we, check if in we in January because I I also got any books if we got, got any, any received any. Uh, but to be honest, when I, as I shop for loved ones, let's be honest, you also do a little bit of shopping for yourself. A little on the side. Well, I yeah. have an excuse. My birthday is right next to Christmas, so I kind of like okay. I get to play that off. Like I'm just yeah. getting myself a birthday present. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just get myself. Honestly, this is gonna yeah, yours sound... is too though. Yeah, yours is, is too. I forgot about that. But this sounds a little bit messed up. But <laughs> sometimes you know when you make an online order and it's like sort of boring. Like, oh, I made an online order and I got batteries, a special <laughs> type of battery that I needed. And then like, yeah, oh, vitamins, like, like a thing. Yeah. Like a replacement for like the like Swiffer, like cloths or whatever. So sometimes when my checkout cart is like super boring that I'm also like, nah, I'm also buying myself this book. Like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I need it to. I want the excitement of the thing coming. Not like I know to get, I love, to get yeah, a package of like socks. getting mail. Yeah. Getting mail rules. So it's like. Yeah, you do want to spice it up a little bit. So and then sometimes you, know. you, you know, sometimes you'll forget about it. And then it's a nice little surprise. Yeah, I'll let you know what I buy myself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, some things have just been chilling in the in the cart for a little bit. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, let us know what you uh, are getting or receiving for Christmas this year. Oh, yeah. And I January. believe you're going first. Or Hanukkah. Hanukkah's right now. Hanukkah's mad early this year. I don't even know how that works, but yeah, it started. It started on Sunday night. Well, it's it's a different calendar, but yeah, it's like they had like a two day break after Thanksgiving to start Hanukkah. So we're <laughs> we're in the middle of it right now. But nice. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So I told you I was cheating this week. So let me tell you, I 
I was at a bar. Uh, it was like a, while Oktoberfest <laughs> was going on. So it was like a October. I was at a bar while my daughter wasn't sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, this was like, this was before the last episode. In the before this, times. Yeah, this was a while ago, actually. Uh, early October, I think. Because like, yeah, it was an Oktoberfest cool. theme. But uh, so I'm at this bar and I see this weird thing in the corner and we we go up to it and see like what is this it's like this little kiosk Mm -hmm. and it's a short story dispenser have you ever seen this no my lord (laughs) it's a stand with three buttons on it okay and you press a button And it prints out a short story for you to read on like a receipt. Wow, that's cool. (laughs) So let me, it's, it's, uh, it's from the, well, this one, I think it's called short edition. If you go to short dash edition.com slash en, it's Mm kind of like that's their website or whatever. Okay. So they have the, they have these like sprinkled throughout the country. Interesting. Uh, so this one was from the Arvada uh, Arts and Culture Commission in Colorado. And so, yeah, it's on recyclable, sustainably sourced paper, printed on demand with thermal technology. And so it's not ink. Oh, whoa. Yeah. No Pre- ink, no getting, cartridge, getting no waste. Is technical. Yeah. And so you can print either a one minute, a three minute, or a five minute story. Uh, so let me read you from their website. It says uh, from the section called Our Concept. Mm-hmm. Reading for pleasure is at an all-time low worldwide. Through innovation and creative writing, our publishing house seeks to help communities boost reading for fun for all by offering short bites of literature both online and via short story dispensers cubes and stations so i saw the dispenser i don't know what the cube and station is it really true that reading is at an all-time low i thought it was at an all-time high man i don't know there's no (laughs) it's not there's no uh, citation yeah (laughs) damn it okay no problem what's old is new again and well-written short stories and poetry are transporting commuters patrons customers students and patients to faraway places as they get in the habit of reading a story on their journey in your universe such as art in transit to improve the waiting experience. So they kind of like uh, put them in in random places. Like I'm I'm sure they have them in live in like random libraries and stuff. But this one was uh, was at a bar. So I printed off one of each, a one, a three, and a five. Nice. And I have not read them yet, and I'm gonna read them here tonight. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, a one minute, a three minute, and a five minute. Yeah, so let's start with the one minute here. Okay. This one, and it, it's I'm de- I turned off my computer monitor and I'm deeply concentrated. <laughs> it's totally random, and so I don't even know I don't even know what I'm getting here. This mm. one is this is the one minute one. Okay. It says classic literature. So we're oh, yeah. starting off with that timing. This one, this one's called America for Me by Henry Van Dyke. 1852 to 1933. So I thought maybe all of these would be like new, maybe, you know, Uh new submissions or something, but it looks like they're kind of taken from random sources. This one's probably public, public domain. Okay. Tis fine to see the old world and travel up and down among the famous palaces and cities of, of renown, renown (laughs) to admire the crumbly castles and the statues and Kings. But now I think I've had enough of antiquated things. So it's home again and home again, America for me. My heart is turning home again, and there I long to be. In the land of youth and freedom, beyond the ocean bars, where the air is full of sunlight and the flag is full of stars. Oh, London is a man's town. There's power in the air. And Paris is a woman's town with flowers in her hair. And it's sweet to dream in Venice, and it's great to study Rome. But when it comes to living, there's no place like home. I like the German fir woods and green battalions drilled. I like the gardens of Versailles with flashing fountains filled. But oh, to take your hat, my dear, and ramble for a day in the friendly western woodland where nature has her sway. 
I know that Europe's wonderful, yet something seems to lack. The past is too much with her and the people looking back. But the glory of the present is to make the future free. We love our land for what she is and what she is to be. Oh, it's home again and home again, America for me. I want a ship that's westward bound to plow the rolling sea to the blessed land of room enough beyond the ocean bars where the air is full of sunlight and the flag is full of stars. Is that a minute? Maybe faster than a minute. That was interesting. That was cool. Okay. Somehow I like instinctively knew that he was talking about like even from the first line, it was kind of baked in like, like, oh, like the crumbling statues and like the old world stuff. Like, nah, never mind. We'll come back to the States. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But also for the people who live in those European countries, that's their home. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A little bit rude. Rude. All right. Next one up. Three minute read. So okay. I got to take a drink of water here. This one, uh, the category is portrait. Okay. My father was a doctor by Juan Rosado. Uh, this seems to be someone who's still alive. So I think it's like a, a new kind of submittal or something. Okay. All right. My father was a doctor. We never got the doctoring bug. He never spoke to us about medicine. Instead, he took us on road trips and taught us to play catch, even me. When we were little, he would read us bedtime stories. He used to recite poetry from Julia de Burgos or go off about Gabriel Garcia Marquez's fictional town of Macondo. He brought us candy and told us jokes. My mother gushed every time she reminded us our father was a doctor. She gushed more when she told a stranger. She never had to work. Her focus was aggrandizing her husband. She held parties for him, hosted galas, paraded me and my brothers as their pride and joy. When it came to schoolwork, we were on our own. She was too busy making everything look perfect for her husband, making us look perfect. We never spoke about science. We never got a chemistry kit for Christmas or a copy of Grey's Anatomy for our bookshelf. I got dresses and my brothers got suits. We were told jokes and anecdotes. We never met his patients or visited his office. We saw him only late at night and some weekends. One night when I was feeling restless, I snooped around his home office. We were not allowed in there. If mother had seen me, I would have gotten a beating. The door creaked as I opened it, and a gust of wind smacked my face. I thought I saw his shadow, but it was just his doctor's coat hanging on a mannequin stand. There was a cross above where his name was. The visage was holy, holier than the man himself. That coat was my father, who was never there. The coat was my mother, lying in wait for her man to come home. The coat was me and my brothers at the dinner table, eating alone. A mother watching us eat, reserving the head of the table for the man of the house. The coat was the family dog that died that my brother had to bury. I didn't know what doctoring was. I heard people mention he saved lives. I saw him receive prizes and awards for feats we would never see. I watched handshakes, heard applause, and saw smiles of gratitude. Daddy, what do you do, I would ask. I'm a doctor, he would say. I never got the doctoring bug, neither did my brothers. I became a teacher. Make way for the doctor, mother would say to us when our father arrived at anyone's house. Our father died when I was 20. Mother cried for years afterward, yearning for a purpose. She whittled in weight with nothing to do. She didn't have children to dress anymore. There were no parties to plan, no accolades to give out. She never spoke about anything other than her time with the doctor. Now dementia takes her. She sounds all right, I tell the doctor. She's been telling the same story for 45 years. And, oh, the last part here is um, about the author. Currently residing in Philadelphia, Juan uh, Juan Rosado mm -hmm. is part of the Puerto Rican diaspora. He spends a lot of his time exploring the concept of identity within the diaspora. He works as a bilingual copy editor for a curriculum company and has been a teacher of English and Spanish for over five years. He enjoys cycling, taking photographs, the summer sun, and indulging in things he cannot afford. Juan <laughs> is currently working on publishing his first short story collection, Heartbreak Over Coffee. Nice. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Imagine reading that at the bar, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had to save it for later. <laughs> exactly. Uh, order another drink after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Can I make it through a five minute story here? This one's really long. It's like a CBS. <laughs> it's like a CBS receipt. It's like three feet long. Nice. It's cool that it's on like receipts. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day. Like, OK, so let's say who was the last author? What was his name? Juan Rosado. 
So let's say Juan Rosado becomes like the next like Hunter S. Thompson, right? Like somebody who's huge, you know, like a huge author. And then you have these like things where it's like these were like limited edition like things that like you know it was from this machine and you couldn't get them and you know whatever blah 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 and they become a rarity yeah what if? that would be cool maybe i should just go <laughs> i should go back and, and just spam it you spam and, it yeah <laughs> and frame them all or whatever yeah keep them in pristine because i folded these up like a like a bum like a loser i know i'm gonna regret that this last one i have and I'm gonna probably stumble my way through this one because this one's quite a bit longer. This is a science fiction short story. Oh, cool. And it's called Crazy James and Barking Mad by Jenny Moore. Some bright spark tells Crazy James the dog will make his fortune. Says the mutt can smell buried treasure like a pig snuffling out truffles. Of course, James doesn't know the first thing about truffles or pigs, but he pays up anyway. Swaps 10 half-day sleeping credits at the underground shift shelter for the dog of his dreams. Just because he's crazy doesn't mean he can't tell a good deal when he sees one. Who wouldn't exchange 60 hours of recycled air and a pull-out sleep drawer for a world of waiting treasure and a beautiful hound to share it with? Oh yes, he's a beauty, all right. From his cloudy white eye to his three legs and clotted tail stump. But it's his powerful bark that James loves best. Raw and booming like the shutter rush of the overhead freight rail, thundering into his dreams like canine music. By morning, the dogs fall in silent, surveying James with his one good eye as he licks his master's chin. What is it, feller? James asks, his legs cold and cramped from his night on the civic exercise track. Gone are the benches and shop doorways he remembers from his childhood. No room for such, lux such luxuries in the city anymore. The dog licks his chin a second time, whimpering softly. Have you got the scent, James asked, taking a third lick as an indisputable yes. boy, off we go. The city nature garden is quite as grand as its name suggests, a token strip of land sandwiched between the high-rise school and the private hospital. It's wild and scrubby and overrun by rats, just like everywhere else. But there's grass and trees, proper living ones with real leaves, and the rare butterflies flitting across the buttercups are more beautiful than any of the medicinal artwork adorning the hospital behind. The dog's in his element now, bounding off through the tangled undergrowth with another mad round of barking. Either that's a ratty caught or the scent of treasure. It's hard, curious work digging without a spade. Who knew there were so many creatures lurking under the soil? But James is nothing if not determined. By early afternoon, there are 17 holes dotted across the nature garden and 17 matching towers of earth. The little birds are having a field day, pecking out worms as if they're going out of fashion. There's still no sign of the promised treasure, though. Come on, boy, says James. It must be here somewhere, unless this is some bright sparks idea of a joke. The dog barks and wags its stump, pawing at the ground with a single front leg. No easy feat, even for a canine wonder beast like him. By five o'clock, there are 26 holes. James is tiring now. Hunger crouches sniper-like in his stomach, firing pangs up through his belly with increasing regularity. He and the dog haven't eaten all day. Perhaps we should give it a rest for now, boy, he suggests. Try again tomorrow. The dog growls. But I'm hungry, argues James. Aren't you hungry, boy? His thoughts turn briefly to the spiced tomato soup at the underground shift shelter, to the comfort of a white-sheeted bed drawer. And then he remembers handing over all his credits to some bright spark in return for the dog. But what a dog he is. Treasure or no treasure. What a beast. Okay, boy, last try. This is the big one, eh? The dog barks, and James musters up what's left of his strength, tearing up another rough clump of grass and digging down into the warm soil beneath. How much farther do you think, he asks, eyeing the fresh tower of dirt next to his knees. But the dog just barks and barks. By the time James' nails snag on something hard and solid, the dog's barking so loud he's fit to burst. The treasure, when James finally works it free, isn't exactly what he had in mind. He was hoping for a wooden pirate chest like the one in Treasure Island, his all-time favorite upload at the city library. He was hoping for rusted metal hinges and a whiff of the ocean. The old wild ocean, that is, not the poor tame beast trickling through the energy board's complex tunnel system. He was hoping for a glittering gold hoard, but the dog doesn't care, and why would he? Treasure is treasure. He wags his stump and howls, drool, dribbling off the end of his beard like liquid happiness. Well done, boy, says Crazy James, holding up their muddied 
muddied find to show him. We did it. He wipes the soil off his trousers and examines the phone more closely. It's like something out of End of an Era, his second favorite library upload of all time. He especially likes the bit at the end where everyone wakes up from staring at their little screens and realizes what they've been missing out on. Phones have been gone a good 50 years now in real time, melted down to use in early air processing units and medical equipment, which is why collectors will pay good money for such a well-preserved one as this. We're rich, boy, said James, holding it up to his ear like they do in the film. Rich enough for a whole month's sleeping credits at the underground shift shelter. Full day shifts, even, if he wants them. Rich enough to buy that cat some bright spark was telling about, the one that picks the winning lottery numbers. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's a cool ending. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually just thinking about that. Uh, not like, I think, not not that phones will be recycled for <laughs> for stuff like that, but that, you know, like, your old shitty phone is going to be like a collector's item someday. Definitely. I mean, there's already sadly parts of the world where like phones are just like e-waste in giant piles, like yeah, melted down into other electronics. Yeah, no, e-waste is a big thing. Just the I'm just wondering like when the nostalgia economy is gonna make like you know the Nokia brick phone like a a collector's item. I mean, that's probably already a thing. People worship the Nokia brick phone. (laughs) That's funny. Cool. Well, that was awesome. I mean, I want to like look up to see if one of those is near me. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you know if there's one. Uh, I'm gonna look it up right now. But I know they just. I just saw on their website they're like, we added a second one in Seattle. So short, little short drive for you if you want to go up there and <laughs> print out a story. Yeah, short little drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Um, well, okay, so my uh, book this week, good job, by the way, that was so good. So I cheated, I cheated, but I mean, not, uh, not a little, it's a little bit. Not too bad, and you actually I, did a decent job rating, I was into all three. Okay, that's cool, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so my book this week, I am revisiting an author um that we had that i've already talked about on the podcast and i know you've read this author um but you haven't read him recently and you didn't read one of the things that i read um but you know i decided to kind of like dip back in um well i'll start out with a question uh to you what is in you know you can have like life context or whatever like just personal choice whatever what is the scariest book you've read scariest book huh yeah like something that actually (laughs) gave you like the even if it wasn't like actually scary but within a moment or something it was like whoa like i was actually like you know absorbed and and scared if at all honestly uh i think the one that i like kind of go back to and this is like reaching back into childhood a little bit but Mm -hmm. the morlocks in the time machine Okay, and that, that's that definitely. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, it's oh, the time machine in the time. Okay, the Morlocks. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those things scared me. Yeah, the like undergrad. They're like mole people, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had an edition that had like uh, some. Uh, it was illustrated edition, and they looked a lot better than the ones in the movies. Like they actually look scary, but cool. That one bothered. That one bothered me for sure. All right. Well, for, now I'm going to read you some quotes about this book uh, that I hold in my hands. And I will I will also say I'm going to start off by saying that I'm not like actually 100 percent positive on this book. Oh, wait I, one second. One second. I just found out that Morlocks are only five feet tall, according to fandom.com <laughs> or according to Wikipedia. So I, I fucking no long, Morlocks. No longer. Never mind. Afraid. <laughs> yeah. No longer afraid. It's completely dispelled. <laughs> uh, I will say that I wasn't, I actually looking back, I'm not hundred percent positive about this book, but I did okay. read 567 pages. So that Whoa. tells you something. I mean, it was like yeah. a large book, so it was a page turner, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, okay. Um, so I'll read you some quotes about this book. And these are quotes coming from, I actually have an awesome used book edition in my hand. So it's really good. I will reveal the author and the title soon. I promise. But some quotes that are written all over the book. 
Superb horror, frightening, enough to jolt the most jaded ghost story addict. Uh, another quote, I jumped six inches when someone came up behind the chair where I was reading it and announced that dinner was ready. It gave me bad dreams the first night out, the best thing of its kind. Frightening enough to jolt the most jaded. Oh, that's what I just read. Ghost story addict. And then uh, terrifying. No one will want to put it down. So scary. You'll turn up the lights. Blah, blah, blah. All these different like quotes. Evil. One of the most frightening novels you'll ever read. Whoa. Ghost story by Peter Straub. Straub. Okay. Straub. So I went back in. So yeah. if you remember the last time. You I read, read Co Coco. Coco. So yeah, I read yeah. Coco. I was pleasantly surprised by it. I thought it was good. And then on this ghost story is like the book that's referenced as like the launch of his career. And like a lot of people being like, this is the best one. And let me tell you, that's not fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people, like as you research his career, it's like, Oh, ghost story, ghost story. It won all these awards. It's so amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And it's really just like, not, I will get into that in a little bit, but I will also tell you, you know, just about the book in general. So one thing that I found interesting about this book is that if you remember the plot of Coco, Coco is about these like veterans, these like, like Vietnam veterans who are getting like, who reconvene into each other's lives because they are unique. They have a unique set of skills for identifying a murderer. So that's like kind of, you know, the, the base level of it. But basically these kind of like past their prime guys getting together and, and hashing something out. And something that I found really interesting when I first started reading Ghost Story is that the beginning of the book has a very similar theme where it's basically there's these, I think it's one, two, three, I think it's four or five guys that call themselves the Chowder Society and what they do is that they gather in each other's respective homes around a town, a small town in upstate New York. And they basically tell this, like, relate stories to each other of the worst or scariest things that have ever happened to them. So they have this kind of sort of like morbid, like they, they're guys that have known each other their entire lives. Like two of them have known each other for like 40 years. The other like two or three have known, have like entered into this, like, you know, deep friendship over like 20 or 30 years. So they like all know each other really well. And they're basically just like pouring over different stories from their lives and like reconvening. Like they're kind of guys like past their prime. Two of them are lawyers one of them is like the hot single guy in the town who like sleeps with all the wives and everything. Another one is a doctor. And then another one is already dead when the book starts. Um, and basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe the plot to you and then we'll see if we arrive on a particular word that's in my one star review. Which okay. I which I think is very valid. Okay, so obviously with reading a Straub book, it's all about the plot. Like, so I'll just say straight out, if you're interested in reading Ghost Story by Peter Straub without having spoilers, turn off the podcast right now. Like, the only way to discuss a book like this is like, you know, there's not really like, oh, a paragraph that was so beautiful or like a page that was amazing. It's all just the plot. Like, that's what makes it a page turner. It's I've got a beautiful paperback in my hand. It's like, you know, from the 80s. Actually, I think this is published in I think it's 1977. Um, and it's got, you know, that classic kind of great smell, good to read, you know, sitting there at night. Awesome. Kind of that vibe. So the plot of this book is like I told you, these five friends, four now, one of them died uh, before the events of the book. They get together and they tell these like kind of terrifying things that have happened in their lives. And as they start to tell the story, it becomes like, oh, wow, that was a crazy story. Now we're all going to go home or whatever. And then, you know, maybe somewhat predictably with it call be being called ghost story and like a small town in upstate New York, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Things start to kind of, become real so one of them tells the story of this guy where it's like oh it's almost like a deliverance type story where it's like he was a teacher in this deep south town and there were these kids who were abused and then he like swears that 
after the kid died he like it goes through this whole story like goes into like a little subplot which is cool you're actually reading about these people for like 50 pages or so or maybe 20 pages and then it's like yeah and then i swear that i've seen that kid other places like even though i know he died like i was at his funeral and stuff like that Ooh, that's scary or you know whatever (laughs) stuff like that and then as the plot kind of like thickens and goes forward you start to learn like, oh, uh, their friend, like I said, there was five, there's four of them now, but there was five of them. And their friend had died at a house party um, at one of their houses before. And their friend was this guy who wrote celebrity biographies. So somebody who would relate with celebrities and actually have them like stay at his house and like, you know, kind of ingrain himself into their lives. And then he would write biographies about them or articles and stuff like that. And there's this young actress who comes to town and then they have a party. They're all so excited because they're like kind of small town people like, oh, my God, there's this actress in town. It's so exciting. And then at that party, they just find him like in a room supposedly looks like he basically got scared to death like he's like curled up you know heartaches like heart attack style with like his face like in a scream like oh my god like what happened no one ever knew knew what happened oh my god whatever and that's also one of the stories that they tell and then basically things start to happen where it's like it gets revealed that one of the friends one of the remaining four the doctor he's actually like a morphine addict so he's there kind of like oh my god like he's doing morphine and then one morning he just gets suddenly very compelled to commit suicide so he like jumps off the bridge and all of his friends obviously are like we know him so well he would never do this like it's something like something made him do it and obviously the town is like whatever your friend just like committed suicide because he was like an addict but you didn't know it like shut up mm-hmm. and then you know then they all start having like the same dream like, oh, my God, like we are all having the same dream. And it all happens in the uh, the abandoned, like the house where their friend died, like that guy who died of fear. Like we're all having the same dream where our friend like died. And then uh, and then the plot keeps going forward. And um, and then the young guy, the young guy who's like the good looking rapscallion guy or whatever, who sleeps, who like secretly sleeps with everyone's wives. He like it's all that like type of stuff where it's like they're looking over their shoulder like all the time like oh if i'm going home or oh if i'm going to work or oh if i'm going on my morning run or whatever going out to the bar it always just seems like you know the feeling that you get when you're a kid where you like run up out of the basement because you're like scared yeah so it's like that so did it did was it jumpy Did, did it scare you I can say that I was like involved. I think one of the quotes that I like skipped over that I think I read that somewhere on this book is that, uh, oh yeah, here it is. This isn't a quote from someone. It's the, it's the summary that they wrote for the dust jacket is here is a book that dims the lights around you. I, I could agree with that. Like basically you get involved and it feels like you're in your own like little world and things get like, Probably one of the more scary things is like one of those moments that I just described where it's like, oh, I fucking hate that feeling when you like feel like you're being watched. And that and that's like and then the guy like shuffles up into his house and closes the door like as soon as he can. Like, oh, why do I feel like that? Okay, so then the plot keeps going forward. Like I said, this is like a 600 page book. So it's like then there's these two teenagers who are kind of like the town badasses and they drink and they drive and like whatever. And there's a hot new girl in town who, um, who like just arrived to town and she's also trying to make it as an actress, but she's like retiring and they kind of like are in obsessed with her, like incensed with her. And uh, the one guy who's like, Oh, I'm a badass. I'll do whatever I want. Like I'm the town badass. He's like, let's go up into the church because you can see into the hotel across the square where she's staying and then when they spy on her at night it's like oh it's scary it's like it seems like she's looking at us but she's not looking at us because we're looking like she wouldn't be able to see us we're looking through a telescope like blah 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 and then as they go on a few adventures following her and whatever oh all also by the way there's like a subplot the classic plot you know of like oh we find the cattle and there's no blood but they're all killed you know, that kind of thing, like aliens. Yeah, yeah. That thing. That's also going on in the town. So it's like, oh, this is mysterious. And then one night when they follow her, 
they follow her like late into the night and she leaves the hotel at night and then they swear like they didn't know what they saw but they like the guy that he met up with that she met up with the next day they find him like bloodless you know like oh he's one of the new victims so it's like oh this beautiful actress is like one of the people who's like fucking up you know this is like what's going on and these are the bad forces and oh my god and then and then and then and then you keep i keep saying and then like all these like different kind of like things keep going and what is one word that you would use to describe what i've said so far with all these different like plot points coming at you um kingish <laughs> kingish yes i mean it, it's i i don't want to do that that's the lazy right. comparison right um but it it does sound yeah it's like all these it, like it, it does sound very involved and like you've really you're sucked in but you're mm -hmm. also you just know this whole kind of community okay but what would be on. what would be one negative word that you could use for that busy i don't know <laughs> busy perhaps convoluted is the yeah. word that i'm looking for busy or convoluted so yeah i mean basically at and i can keep going like oh they follow this actor this like woman who you know like he's one of the bloodless victims and then as they keep going the guy who died in that at that party who got scared at that party to death they write to his son and then his son comes back into town it's like oh it's like we it's almost like he's a replacement for uh, Ed who died because, you know, he's this, uh, you know, guy. And that guy is a young author who's writing a horror novel, you know, like all this like shit. And then it dips into like another like a hundred page backstory thing where he was once in love with an actress who uh, who he was enamored with her, obsessed with her. And then she left him for his brother. And then his brother died under mysterious circumstances and blah, blah, blah. All these things that have happened. And then eventually, obviously it, they have the, the big meeting where they all finally talk to each other and they connect over the idea that, Oh, like it's the same woman. Who's like this actress who's coming back through time, like over and over again. And she claims her victims and it's like, and the kid who, that like he sees like he said that he died but he sweared that he didn't die or had seen him before is one of her like demonic minions like blah 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 like whatever how are we going to defeat these people and they get together some plot and then defeat them right yeah so what i would say and why i would say like it's not true that like this is like Straub's best book is because as much as like Coco, people were like, oh, it's boring and whatever. And people also accuse this book of being boring. Coco was in a way like more focused. Like it was like, there's the five of us. And yeah, I, that's what I recall. Recall from your story from, you know, you covering Coco, mm -hmm. of, like the veteran. Kind mm -hmm. of and I was really maybe just like a little bit follows more. them. Yeah, I'm a little bit more into it. Whereas this book is like, here's another person and like, here's another thing. And you know, oh, it's this actress and like she's like, and, and by the way, it doesn't like the idea of calling it a ghost story is not like super accurate because it does start to be like, it's almost like werewolfish slash like vampirish slash ghost slash, you know, whatever. And then there's like, again, I can keep piling it on. And then there's like also an element where after you defeat one of these badass ghost slash vampire things they can like turn into an animal like as like a last like line of defense and then like get away from you. So it's like, oh, and then there's like this animal element to it. Also, the beginning of the book starts with one of the characters. It starts almost like um, Lolita-ish where it's like this guy who has a little girl and he's like basically has kidnapped her. And you can see where I'm going with this, where it's very fucking convoluted. Like, it's like, there's a little girl and there's a ghost and there's an actress and there's like five guys and, you know, like all. Yeah, it seems people. like a little distracting. It's very distracting. And then you forget about the intro to the book until you get to the end, <laughs> until you get to the end of the book. And then you're like, oh, I guess the point is that he's basically because they discover this cycle of reincarnation. Basically, it's like the, his choice at the end is like, I'm going to have to kill this little girl because I know I'm the only one who knows that she's a demon, which is like gets you into the whole idea of like, are crazy people really crazy? Like that kind of thing. But it's yeah. just too much. It's like all over the fucking place. And it's just too much. <laughs> and honestly, I obviously like I did read 
the 600, the 567 pages or whatever, but after like up to like page, like I would say things started to happen at like page 350. Okay. Well, isn't the whole idea like, like you were, you, you said kind of the introduction was like these people all telling a story of like what, the scariest thing that happened to them like yeah but it doesn't does it, process does it, it doesn't that. branch it doesn't branch off from there oh, okay it, that's it, frustrating it doesn't formulaically <laughs> it doesn't turn into like okay this is gonna be jaffrey like dr jaffrey's story or this sure. is gonna be you know ricky's story like and i know the characters names and stuff which is a good sign but it doesn't kind of like get you into that loop at all it's just like and then all of a sudden there's a silent film actress who we think may be the killer and sure. it's like, okay, like, who gives a shit? And then obviously you don't give a shit at the end either. But he does write better. He writes good endings. So it's like, I, I think I said the same thing about Coco when I was finishing this book. I was like, I put noise blocking headphones on and I was like, I'm reading the last 50 pages of this book. Like, I'm just going to like kill it. Um, so that's one credit to him. And I'll just go straight into my one star review. Like, like I said, massive spoilers of everything. Like I just told you literally everything. Um, <laughs> but so it, I don't I don't need to read it now. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like a page turner thrill ride. You'll forget this episode and then maybe read Straub again. But I would say that I got hyped on Straub for Coco, then I read Ghost Story, which is supposedly his masterwork, and I'm like, no, I'm not hyped. Like, I'm just like whatever. So Paige on Goodreads gave it a one star. She says, intensely boring and keyword here, convoluted. And then this next sentence is why I chose her as a one-star review. If this is a shame because this will sporadically show up on lists of all-time greatest horrors, which it does. It definitely, like all those quotes about it, like, oh, it's so scary. Or like you, if you do a little bit of research into Peter Straub, you just kind of go, oh, like, yeah, like, oh, the number one horror books, like, up there with, like, all of these, like, amazing things. Like, it's so good. And then if you read this, you'd be like, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, total miss. <laughs> no way that it's, like, at the same level of, like, all-time master horrors where it's like, oh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and then this. Like, no way. Yeah. So where does, I'm curious, where does it rank among media with the title format Blank Story? What do you mean? Ghost story. You got this ghost story. There's Toy Story. Toy Story. Police story. Tokyo story. What do you think? Remind, I know Tokyo story. <laughs> what is Tokyo story? That's a Criterion movie. Oh, Japanese the movie. Ozu movie? Yeah. Tokyo story. Okay, well, this is at the bottom of like all. Okay. <laughs> Toy Story? Toy Story is better than Ghost Story by Peter Schraub. Okay. What about... Oh, no, I'm thinking Love Song by The Cure. Is there something <laughs> called Love Story, right? No. <laughs> something, yeah. I don't know. But no, yeah, that this is at the bottom of that story list. Okay. I guess those are a lot of good things I just listed off. Police Story Rules with Jackie Chan. Of course, yeah. Um, Classic. But yeah, uh, I mean, page turners are good. You, you will, okay, you said you had a fantastic reading day. You were reading this book, so you you enjoyed it though, right? Or did you just mean no, productive? I told you I told you I was one third through my next book. Oh, okay. So maybe so I went on I went into Thanksgiving vacation yeah. with about 30 pages left of ghost story, and that's when I turned up the heat and said, I'm gonna finish this because I'm like done with it. And then now my next book is a doozy. Okay. So there you have it. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's been Shitty Book Reports. Uh, you can find us online whenever we feel like recording. Uh, SBR the podcast or SBR the podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Stitcher, whatever, wherever you listen to all your good iTunes too, uh, yeah. where you like to listen to podcasts, Spotify, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. Pretty good one. Yeah, it was fun. Yep. I will read a, a real book for the next one. I think that <laughs> one might have been like long because like it was long. Yeah. What is my the stories that I had were long as hell. But then the, the, the intro section was fun. Cool. I came up with that the, like the literal last second. Like I had that this morning. <laughs>
I was like, no, oh. that was good. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll, I'll try to put it out tomorrow. Okay. So it's good. Yeah, I w- hey, I was going to mention, but I didn't, w- I didn't mention during the show, but uh, the episode of Frasier you're talking about mm-hmm. when he's searching for a gift for uh, his kid. Yep. What's his kid's name? Freddie. Freddie. Yes. When he, uh, you could, there's a, he goes to a toy store and there's a copy of, there's a few copies of Earthbound. Uh, shown shown behind him and one of the scenes because it like just came out it was like coming out that 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 season that is an amazing fucking easter egg yeah yeah and it's like this huge because when they when they released earthbound they had like the huge box because it came with like a player yep. manual and yep. scratch and sniff shit yep actually yeah, that, so that, it's those. Gamer, that gamer guy that i sent to uh to uh the whatsapp group he has yeah he has an original huge box earthbound oh i bet yeah i've always wanted one but they're like they're very expensive of course so it's not really <laughs> not feasible <laughs> but yeah um you can see like a, a whole row of them behind fraser sweet yeah <laughs> all right man yeah that was fun i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do better it's just like it's been hard dude you can always reach into your back catalog too just talk yeah, about something too yeah, I've done that a few times where it's just like I haven't read this book in two years. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Ten years. All right. In. All right. Check you later. See ya.